Good morning, Hillcrest. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and you've got a rookie preaching. As my mother-in-law used to say, Lord, help us all. So with that, we'll launch into it here. Um, Our topic today is prayer, and it's really an honor for me to be able to stand before you and, and share about prayer. It's not that I'm an expert in prayer by any means, but God has birthed in my heart a passion for prayer this last 12 years as God's had me on a journey, really, I would say, and, and he's put within me a desire to see others, you all, go deep in prayer, too. Right now, we're in the midst of a series on discernment that Mark's been doing from Philippians 1, and when Mark approached me a couple of weeks ago and asked if I'd be willing to share on prayer, I was excited because this passage is one of the prayers uh, that God has really used in my life over this, this journey in prayer. It's one of the prayers that he's used to kind of teach me to pray. The other prayers being Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, which we'll look at. But anyway, our topic today is discernment. And I think really prayer, it may be one of the, the best means, I think. Of course, I'm biased for prayer, I guess. I just told you. But anyway, I think God uses prayer as we seek. For discernment. And as I was thinking about discernment this week, I was thinking about what life feels like to me and as I see people and talk to people. And I thought of an old act from the Ed Sullivan show. And uh, we're going to get to uh, remember that for just a second here. See if this reminds you at all of what your life feels like, at least sometimes. get the idea, I think, don't you? Can anybody relate to that? Does your life ever feel like that? I think most of us have probably felt like that at one time or another. Too much going on, too many demands, too many options, just too many plates spinning at the same time. We need discernment, don't we? And, and we need tools, and that's really what Mark has been doing. He's been giving us tools for discernment week by week. This last week, I think it was confession and fasting. And so this week, we're going to focus on prayer. Now, when when I say prayer, of course, there's many forms and ways to pray, and and we're not going to be able to cover, you know, we're only looking at one tool today. There's many others. And this is where I want to put in a plug for that all-church retreat because that's what we're going to be doing is talking more, and I'll actually be sharing more on praying the scriptures at that retreat. And, And so please... Mark your calendars, March 6th through March 8th, um, and, and set aside time and just come and, and spend some time. Let, let some of the plates fall and come and just relax and, and be with God during that time. Okay, so we're going to look first of all, um, well actually first of all let me say my goals for today, twofold. Um, one is I want to get you all praying. I want to get you all praying, and I want to give you, introduce to you some tools that I think will actually help to take you deeper in prayer, uh, make prayer more fruitful and enjoyable, and show you how praying these prayers of Paul, that, that Paul prayed, will help you with 
discerning what's best, and they'll give you confidence um, as you seek his will for your life. My heart's desire for our church is that we would become what Jesus called, he said of his house, that it would be called a house of prayer. That prayer would become sort of the foundation of everything we do. That both corporately and personally, everything would be undergirded. That it would begin and end with prayer. We, would, we, would, we wouldn't just talk about it, but we'd really do it. You know, we'd, we'd have a life that's fruitful in prayer and that connection, that deep abiding connection with God that Jesus talked about was so important. I don't have a lot of time today. You might think of my sermon today more like one of those late night infomercials that runs for about 24 minutes. Uh, uh, and anyway, I, I, I'm just today trying to sell you on the idea of these prayers. I'm trying to introduce them to you so you'll buy in and say, you know what? I'm gonna pray those prayers. I wanna do that too. And God's gonna, God's gonna use them to teach me to pray also. Really, my testimony about these prayers started about 12 years ago. My oldest son, I don't know if he's here today. He said he might come, but anyway. He came to me and said, Dad, I just don't think Christianity's working for me anymore. Of course, that struck fear into this father's heart. And I had heard a message about praying these prayers, and I just began to think, you know what? I need, I need something more than just you know, a pat on his back. He needs to have his eyes open. He needs to, the Lord needs to speak to him. So I, I decided I was going to begin praying one of these three prayers daily uh, for my children. And, you know, I've missed plenty of days, but it's been in my heart to do it, one of these prayers. And I've just seen over the years how God's answered that. And, of course, my son Jonathan, he's, he's walking with God, and as all five of my kids are. And I'm just so thankful to see how God has just answered those prayers over the years. As I prayed these prayers over and over again, too, I've discovered that they give me language to pray. Language. You know, when my kids were little, they used to say, we'd let them pray, and they'd say, Lord, thank you for this day, and I pray you'd give us a good day, and, and amen. And, you know, it's kind of like sometimes, you know, you don't know what to pray. You don't have a language. It's sort of thank you for this day, you know. And so these prayers, they give us language. They give us God's language that we can pray. And they give us confidence, too. Because these prayers are in the Bible. You know, these, these we know this is what God wants to do in the lives, in, the, in the, the hearts of people. So they give you confidence. They give you language. Um, as I've thought about it, too, I think many of our prayers are, for people are actually need-based. We pray for relief or deliverance from trouble. That's just the first thing we think of. If somebody's in trouble, we, we pray, Lord, you know, deliver them. And there's nothing wrong with that, I think, but... If, as you look at Paul's prayers, we realize that most of Paul's prayers are more process-based. He's praying for their growth in wisdom. He's praying for revelation. He's praying for them to increase in love and, and understanding, that kind of thing. We know that praying for the specifics isn't wrong. In fact, in this letter, you, you know, Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Make your requests known to God. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for the specifics, but what I want to commend to you is that these prayers are at a different level. I think they're a, they're a higher perspective kind of a prayer. They're, I think of them like this. Many of our prayers were down in the valley, and they're kind of ground-based prayers, but these are prayers from the mountaintop perspective. And, you know, that's where God is, right? He's up above looking down on the whole thing. And I think 
rather than us trying to always figure out what to pray. I mean, do you get, do you get tired of that? It's like trying to figure out what needs to happen. I, I don't know what should happen. You know, Lord, you know. And so when you begin to use this language, it puts us up at a higher level. And here's an example uh, of what I mean. I, I think if someone's sick, for instance, rather than just, you know, yes, we'll pray that the Lord would heal them. But you know what? I've, I've noticed that prayer, Lord, heal them. It often seems that I don't get the kind of answer that I was looking for, and I don't get it in the time frame that I was looking for. And sometimes I'm disappointed with that. It's like, Lord, I asked for healing. I mean, I prayed for healing, and, you know, it didn't come. And so I've enjoyed praying these prayers because I feel like it gets me up at another level. It gets me up at a different level, and I, I can just join in with this and, and pray for, for the bigger thing that God's doing in that person's life. You know, so the person who's sick, rather than just saying, Lord, heal him, I pray, I might pray this. Lord, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that you would reveal to them your heart of mercy and compassion for them even in the midst of this illness that they're going through. You see how that's a different kind of a prayer? It's sort of a, it's a different level. It's a higher level. I think it's agreeing with what God's doing. You know, the God who works all things together for good. It's, I think we're, in, we're, we're agreeing with him and, and praying those kind of prayers. So I've mentioned three prayers. Our passage is Philippians 1 is one of those prayers. I just want to just draw your attention to two other of Paul's prayers. They're all chapter 1, so you can remember them easy. Philippians 1, Ephesians 1, and Colossians 1. Now, I don't have time to read them, uh, but Ephesians 1, for instance, notice the kind of things that Paul is praying. It's, it's this, again, these higher level things. He's, he's praying that they would be given a spirit of wisdom and, and that they would have revelation and you just realize, I have realized as I've prayed that prayer over and over again, how important revelation is. I think sometimes we've not grasped that, even within the church, that it's so necessary for us to have revelation, to understand what is God doing and who is God and who am I. He goes on and says that you'd know what the hope of your calling is. See, we need to understand who Jesus is, but then, Lord, who am I? Who have you made me to be? And see, out of that place, we can discern what he has for us, what he wants us to do. So revelation is key. It is absolutely key. When you're praying for your children, man, I just find they need, they need their eyes open to understand God and then what, what the way they should go. Now look at this prayer in Colossians. We talk about discernment. Talk about a great prayer. Look at verse 9 of Colossians 1. Um, Paul prays that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I mean, as we're seeking discernment, isn't that what we're all about? We just want to know, Lord, what's your will? I want, if, if you show me your will, I'll do it. And then he goes on and says that we'd walk worthy of the Lord and please him and bear fruit in every good work. That's exactly what our prayer in Philippians is talking about as well. So those are the things that, that we're shooting for. Okay, now I'd like to look um, briefly at Paul's prayer, specifically in Philippians 1. That was my introduction. Uh, Paul's request here to God. This is what Paul's praying for. He says that your love may abound or overflow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, this is so simple here that I think we can easily miss this. Are you seeing this? Paul's prayer, his whole prayer here is let love abound. Isn't that simple? It's like let love abound, that's it. It's like, yeah, that's what he's saying. Let love abound. And you know, as I've gotten older and as I've walked with God for a long time, I've realized I think that sometimes I've not understood 
how key love is for the kingdom, how key it is to God. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it reminds us about that. Paul just talks about all these things I could have and do, but if I don't have love, I, I have nothing, right? So no wonder Paul's praying this. Let love abound. Let love abound. And Paul doesn't say even what kind of love. He just says, let love abound. He doesn't say, let love abound for your fellow man or whatever. He just says, let love abound. And he's praying, I think it's for that, it's, it's, well, it's this agape kind of love because that's the word. It's the word agape, which we're familiar with. It's God's love. It's God's type of love. He's saying, let, let that, that kind of love that's patient and kind abound. Let love that keeps no record of wrongs abound. Let love that never fails abound. See, he's, he's asking for that love of God. And as I've, I was thinking about, you know, what kind of love is Paul talking about, I was reminded that really the Bible talks at least, there's at least two different kinds of love, could be more, but that, that the Bible talks about. And those are love for God and then love for neighbor. And of course, we remember what Jesus said when asked about this, the greatest commandment. What was his response? He said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And this passage is critical because we, we have to understand that our love for others flows out of our love for God. See, first comes love for God and then comes love for neighbor. First the vertical, we establish the vertical relationship and then comes that horizontal relationship to our neighbors. And, you know, God's really serious about this, too, about making love the primary thing. And as I was preparing this sermon, I, I was reminded of the letter to the church in um, Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, uh, where Jesus is talking to the church, and he commends them for a lot of good things. He says, I know your deeds. You're working hard. You're persevering. You've persevered, you've endured hardship, you don't tolerate bad doctrine, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. You've forsaken your first love. See, they'd, they'd forgotten that love was the main thing. And, and I don't know what they were doing exactly, but you know, it's so easy for us to, to think that ministry and church life's all about doing stuff and ministering to people. And it is, yes. But that's not the primary thing. The primary thing is love for him, love for God. That's, that's, that's the primary thing. So, so first of all, let love abound for God. Let love abound for God. That has to be the foundation. That's, when, when we love God, then we have the internal resources to love others. It's like love for God. I've discovered this in my life, that love for God is like a spring welling up on the inside. You know, and Jesus said that that, that, that the Holy Spirit would be like a river of living water on the inside of us. You know, and as I sit with God and as I spend time with him and as I'm in his word and as I worship, it's like we're, we're opening that, that conduit and we're allowing that flow to happen. And see, it's out of that place of fullness that we, we minister to others. We have something, we have the living water that we can take and give to them. So Paul's praying for love to abound, but in their lives, but, but to what end? And there's two purposes here, at least two, but Paul talks about two words. He says, in knowledge and in depth of insight. And these two words are interesting. There's several words for knowledge in Greek, but this is a word that means full knowledge. And it's more than just head knowledge. It's, 
it's like an experiential knowledge. Um, it's, it's a knowledge that comes from experience or personal relationship. And then this word depth of insight apparently is kind of hard to translate. Uh, some translations say all discernment. But the word biblical commentary had a, I thought, really good definition that I felt like captured it. It says, this word, this depth of insight, means the ability to make proper moral decisions in the midst of a vast array of differing and difficult choices that are constantly presenting themselves to the Christian. See, isn't that the world we live in? There's so many perplexing problems, and how do I deal with this, and how do I, what, how do I do the right thing here, and all these moral issues, and you know, all this rel- you know, relativism, and it's like, you know, we need this, don't we? We need this ability to discern and make the right choices. So as love increases, God gives us the ability to choose wisely. So how exactly does this work? How does love lead to insight and the ability to discern what is best. Well, I think this is one of the main points here. It says, well, God gives discernment in the context of relationship with him. That's, that's a big point, I think. I want you to, to hear that. God gives discernment in the context of relationship with him. You know, we often seek wisdom for its own sake. Like, we need answers for things. So we go to God, and sometimes I think it's kind of like we go with our prayers to the vending machine, and I pop in my quarters, you know, one, two, three, four, push the button, and the answer is supposed, the you know, answer is supposed to pop out. That's what that we we sort of treat God that way sometimes. And you know, we we want a can of soda. I think we want the answer, and I think what God has in mind isn't the vending machine, but you know, how about a leisurely supper at a nice restaurant? You know, God's all about the relationship, right? He's that's what He's he's looking for. And, you know, we want answers. God wants relationship, right? And so I think what we need to see here is that it says as love abounds, then from that discernment, discernment comes forth. You know, having God's heart, having God's mind, that's what we want. As we get close to him, he gives us his heart. He gives us his mind for people. And then as we have that, we'll know, what, is he, what do you want me to do, Lord, in this situation? How do you want me to respond to that person? Or, or how can I reach this person who doesn't know you? You know, get close to him. Talk to him about that person. And out of that context of love, you know, God will give you that discernment. He'll show you what does love look like? What would Jesus do? What would love do in that situation? So as we finish up, I want to try to talk just briefly about how we can apply this, these principles, these prayers into our own lives in a practical way. So let love abound for God. How do we do that, let love abound for God? Let me ask you this. What are you doing daily to express and practice love for God? I mean, sometimes we just take it as a given. Well, of course I love God. But you know, it's a relationship, remember? If you treated your wife that way, that wouldn't work, right? She wants to hear, I love you, honey, and I'm, you, know, you, you spend time. And, and so we, how are we doing that? How are we growing in that, that relationship part with, with him? And, you know, as I've thought about what could I share practically, there's just not time to really go into this. But let me just mention a couple things really briefly so you've got an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, some of the things that the Lord has shown me, and this has been a big part of my journey, is going away from just always doing for God to being with God and realizing how important that is. I mean, God really values that. He values being with us. You know, it's just sitting and being with him. And, 
you know, there's different ways that we express our love for him. It, it, it'll be different for each one of us, I think. But, you know, worship is a big way. You know, worshiping in my quiet time. There was times where I, a quiet time was always done, you know, a certain way. I, I was a navigator, and there's a way I did quiet times. And that's a good way. I'm not against that. But, you know, I began to think, well, how about if I worshiped? I put on my favorite worship music, and I just worshiped God for a whole hour. And I remember thinking, man, I wonder if this is okay. You know, can you do, is this like a real quiet time if you just worship God the whole time? And I just found that my heart was just so engaged and I got done and I felt so alive on the inside. It's like, wow, that was just amazing, Lord, thank you. And it's not that I do that all the time, but you know what? It's okay to do that. I think the Lord, he's happy with that. Okay, there's, you know, there's silence, there's use, praying the language of the Psalms. You know, one thing I've been doing recently can be just as simple as this is sometimes I just come, I'm getting ready to go for work, and I sit down in my chair in the dark, and I sit there for just a few minutes, and I just quiet my heart, and I say, Jesus, I love you, and you're beautiful. I love you, and you're beautiful. And I just might say it over and over again, and you know, sometimes it's just so sweet, the Lord just comes, and he just touches my heart, and I just feel like my heart just tenderized. Just that simple thing, just expressing to him, just expressing, you know, he's beautiful, and we love him. And you know what? You may not be comfortable with that, but you know, I don't know what you're comfortable with doing, but I just want to encourage you, wherever and however you express that to him, he loves that, and he wants to hear your voice, and he wants you to make that part of your, your daily routine. Now, secondly, Paul's praying, let love abound for those around you, right? That's the other aspect of love. So, so let me ask you a few questions here. What would it look like for love to abound in your home? What would it look like for love to abound in your marriage? Or what would it look like for love to abound in your relationship with your kids? Or what would it look like for love to abound in your neighborhood? And maybe at work, what would that look like? What would it look like for love to abound? See, as we pray this prayer for ourselves and, and for those that we love and for our church, you know, God's going to show us things. He's going to show us things that might need to change. He might show us attitudes that are wrong. He might, he might give us a whole new paradigm, a way to think about something that we hadn't even seen. You know, here we get real practical. It's like, wives, is there anything you'd like to see changed about your husband? Maybe there might be a few things, right? You know what? Pray this prayer and see what God does. You know, those of you who are in the workplace, are you up against a challenging situation or something that's just really, you don't know what to do? Well, how might love change that? You know, pray this prayer and just see, see what God might give you. I mean, he might change the way you're thinking about your situation. He might give you something new. This brings us finally to the last phrase of Paul's prayer, which I actually barely have time to mention, but we should just to finish out here. Um, Paul says, and this is really the outcome, uh, that, that we would be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. See, there's an element in this letter of Paul's that's forward-looking, that's looking to something beyond this life. It's looking to something about a kingdom that's coming. And that's how Jesus taught us to pray too, remember? He said, pray like this, let your kingdom come on earth right now in my life as it is in heaven. That's, that's how he wants us to pray. When Paul mentions the day of Christ here, there's definitely an allusion, I think, to the idea of the kingdom that's coming. See, there's a kingdom coming where Jesus is going to return and he's going to rule and reign on the earth and we will rule and reign together with him. But there's an aspect of the kingdom that's already here. 
And so my question for you is, as we're seeking discernment is, how does the Lord want to bring the kingdom to your life? How does he want to bring it to your workplace or to your neighborhood? How does he want to do that right now? You know, remember, prayer's about partnership. God's already at work, and he's calling you to join him somewhere. So how does he want to establish the kingdom? You know, it may be real simple. I, I find sometimes that just the simplest things can be an expression of that love. You know, I, I'm a physician, and I will often pray for someone if I get the opportunity, and, and I'll just pray a simple prayer for them, and I open my eyes, and little tears just trickling down their cheek, you know, and, and I can tell it just it touches people. You know, it's just as simple as praying with somebody who's in distress, just taking a moment. It just, it just expresses something of God's love to them. They don't, they don't even have to be a believer. I find that's even almost more powerful sometimes. Hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, mm, okay, and you do it, and it's, it blesses them. You know, just something simple. Um, so as we conclude here, let me just say this. We started with spinning plates, right? Busy lives and the need for discernment. And as we pray these prayers, all three of these prayers, I want to encourage you, uh, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Philippians 1, as we pray these prayers, God is going to give us discernment. He's going to show us what love looks like and how we can bring the kingdom to the places that he's played, you know, where he's put us. Some of you are feeling squeezed this morning. You can relate to that. You're tired and you've got too many plates spinning. You want to do more, but you're tired and you're feeling overwhelmed. Well, let love abound right there. Some of you are facing difficult, vexing problems and you don't know what to do, maybe personally, professionally. Let love abound right there. Some of you have been so busy lately, all those spinning plates, you haven't really heard God's voice in a long time. Well, let love abound in that place. Some of you have so many options to choose from, you're not really sure what to be doing. Which plates? Well, let love abound in that place. I believe this is a place that we can start. These are tools. They're tools to pray. And if, I believe if we pray these prayers, it will, it will change the way we look at prayer. It'll give us language. It'll make prayer enjoyable. It'll, it'll stoke a fire in your heart. That's what it's done for me. So I just want to encourage you, pray these prayers. And in fact, I want to end my sermon with just a, a brief commitment because one thing I've learned about sermons, if it's all just about talking and then we get up and leave, you know, there's very little impact. So I just want to ask you, if you would be willing to make this commitment, if you'd be willing to pray one of these prayers, and each day you can choose one of the three, but if you'd be willing to do this daily for someone you love and for our church, for the remainder of our sermon series, I think that's about seven weeks, if you'd be willing to do that, I'm just going to ask you right now if you would just stand up right where you are. Just say, yeah, I'll pray those prayers. I'll give it a try. Would you be willing to do that? I know God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you.